Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a home church, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. For more information about our Sunday service, or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message from Sunday service. I became a Christian 23 years ago, and I had the most meaningful, powerful moment with God, with feelings and tingles and tears, and it was phenomenal. Changed my life. The only problem was I didn't know what to do with this. I was a Christian for two years before I even opened a Bible, one of those kinds of Christians. And and, you know, my biggest challenge with being a Christian or becoming a Christian was all of God's do's and don'ts. You know, God, he's just a fun wrecker. He's just out to ruin your fun. You know, it's a don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex, give your money, don't be fat, don't be angry, don't punch anyone this week. You know, God's just trying to just take away all my fun. And I've learned in my life over the 23 years some really important things about God's Word. And and, and the first thing you need to know about God's Word is God's Word's not a book of suggestions. It's not kind of like a moral compass. This is God's commands over our lives. And, and, and one of the big things that helped me with my Christian faith was when I, I was a two-year-old Christian. It's a bit late. I know. Sorry. I actually started reading the Bible. Surprise, surprise. And in, as I read the Bible, I started to realize that this was not just a book of suggestions, but this was actually God's word and God's commands over my life. The second thing I learned was that God's commands are actually for me, for my benefit. Every command that God gives us in Scripture is actually for me. It's not for Him. He's not sitting around going, yes, there's my obedient little subjects. Everything that He speaks in His Word is actually for my benefit. Some things that I didn't realize. Number one, he doesn't say, don't drink. He says, don't get drunk. Well, that's not God trying to take away my fun. That's God going, hey, mate, every time you get drunk, you do something you regret. As a young man, I, I haven't been drunk since I became a Christian. And, and, and as a young man, I have never been drunk once where I did something that I was proud of. Or let me say that another way. Every time I have ever been drunk, I did something that I woke up the next morning going, you idiot, why did you send that text? Why did you say that? Why did you... Anyway. (laughs) You know what else I learned? God doesn't actually say don't have sex. I used to think that. I used to think, you know, sex was bad. God says, you know, that, that... Sex was, was meant to be the uniting agent that unites a man and a woman together. It's not back massages. 
It's not even the wedding or the documentation that you sign. It was through sex that we're to be united. And the reason that we're not supposed to have sex with everyone is because I'm not supposed to be united to everyone. I'm supposed to be united to the one that God gave me. So it's actually for my benefit. It's not God just trying to ruin the fun. God doesn't actually say, give your 10%. Did you know that? I'm about to mess with you. Did you know that the Bible doesn't actually instruct us that, that tithing is a command? Tithing was actually instituted in Abraham, not in God. God blessed Abraham richly, and as a response, Abraham gave a tithe unto the Lord. God's not sitting up there going, mate, where's my 10%? Pay up. Tithing is my response back to God as a declaration and a statement that I am the blessed of the Lord. And so here's the thing. I believe that if you're a tither, you are willing to declare that I'm the blessed of the Lord. And if you're not a tither, you're declaring that you're a self-made man. And I say, good luck with that. God doesn't actually say, don't be fat. He says, don't be gluttonous. Don't be a consumer. Don't consume more than you, than you burn off. And why does he say that? Well, first of all, God doesn't want to live in a shack. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He also wants us, our physical person, to be strong, to sustain what you and I are called to, to do with our lives. And so it's important that we understand that the Bible is not God's book of suggestions, but it's actually his, his instructions or his commands over us. And every one of his commands has a point for our benefit. And so when you read the word, um, you need to read it that way. Now, I've said all of that to get to my real point for what I want to talk about today. The title of my message is, Thou Shalt Forgive. You've got to have the T just to make more emphasis. Shout. Thou shalt forgive. In Luke 6, and Ray, Ray talked about um, this as an offering today. It says, verse 37, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be for condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be, good, uh, be given unto you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your bosom. For the same measure that you used, it will be measured back to you. Contrary to popular belief, that's actually not an offering talk. He's talking about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Now, I think it fits as an offering talk because it fits in the principle of sowing and reaping. That which you sow, you can reap. And I have no problem with that being preached as an offering talk because if I'm sowing energy, I reap energy. If I'm sowing love, I reap love. If I'm sowing forgiveness, I reap forgiveness. And if I'm sowing finances, well, I'm also reaping finances. 
But it's so important that we understand the context of what God's really talking about there. He says, forgive and you will be forgiven. He goes on in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses or your sins or your wrongs. This is quite black and white. Why forgive? So that you can be forgiven. Forgive as you have been forgiven. In Colossians, Paul puts it this way. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Wow. That is a big statement. So what is forgiveness? And why does he instruct us to do so? Some people have said to me, okay, James, you know, do I have to forgive and forget? Or do I have to to, to forgive and then blindly trust people? Or do I have to bring people back into my life that have wronged me? And the answer is no to all of those things. Uh, no, we're not instructed to forgive and forget. I don't have that ability. Only God has the ability to remember trespasses no more, which is so great. I'm so glad that when I get to heaven, there's not going to be a list But I'm not able to do that. I'm not able to forget. But I am instructed to forgive. Further, we're not instructed to blindly trust. That is extremely irresponsible. Let me say this. Forgiveness is given, but I believe trust is earned. If you've come to our church from another church, I pray that whatever it was that caused you to leave your last church, that you're able to forgive that and move into a new season with a clean heart. But I'm aware that I'm building trust with you. We as a church are building trust with you. You, you, There's a lot of people that have come into Church Unlimited very guarded. And that's okay. Because if you've been bitten, you're, you're a bit shy, right? And it's okay that trust is being built. And then, should I invite them back into my life again? Can I tell you, there are some people that have no place in my life. I have forgiven them. I've blessed them. I actually don't have any ill will towards them in my heart. I don't even feel anxious. But there's just no way I'm about to bring that back into my life. And so let's look at... Uh, in, in our time remaining at why Jesus would instruct us to forgive. Why? Because 
if it's ultimately for my benefit, you know, James, you just said that, that all of his commands are ultimately for my benefit. Well, what are the benefits or the, why would he have us ultimately forgive? Well, the first one is you have freely received. Uh, I want to look in Matthew chapter 10. It says, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What's he instructing? Whatever you've received from Father, give to your brother. Now, he doesn't specifically mention forgiveness. That's mentioned so many other places in Scripture. I don't feel that I need to convince you of that. But whatever I've received from the Father, I need to give to others. I know who I used to be. I know the mess, the problems that I've created. I know the calamity that has surrounded my life. And I know the forgiving grace and mercy that God has extended to me. One time I was preaching on this topic of grace and forgiveness and a man came up to me and he said, James, you don't understand the things that I have done. And I said, no, you're right, I don't. But I understand that he forgives everyone for everything. When he died on the cross, he didn't just die for some sin, he died for all sin. And as we're unpacking this, this man just breaks and he just starts sobbing and sobbing and sobbing at the revelation that he has been totally forgiven of his past. Well, I just know that in my own life, I have been forgiven of so much. How could I possibly not extend that to others? I've been forgiven of the things that I've done. I've been forgiven of the things that I wanted to do that I never ended up doing, but I wanted to. I've been forgiven of the thoughts that I think. Uh, and some of us haven't really done horrible things, but, but our thought life might betray us. His grace and His forgiveness is so overwhelming. I remember when I first learned of his grace and his forgiveness towards me, I actually just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. The thoughts of knowing who I am and what I've done being displayed before the Lord. And yet he looks at me with grace and mercy. It's overwhelming. I don't know if you're like me, but I find the words thank you just don't seem to even cut it. Thank you, Lord, just seems so insufficient. You know the best way that we can say thank you? Is to freely give what we have received. To come to church and sing a thank you song is nice. But I think he is most honored when I give to others that which I have already received. The second reason is because it will be measured back to you. It will be measured back to you. In Matthew 7, it says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. 
and the measure with which you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look for the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, there is a plank in your own eye, hypocrite, First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I'm always a bit challenged about politics. Because I am a Bible-believing Christian, I, I don't agree with many of the decisions that our politicians make that are contrary to the Word of God. But I have to be careful about what kind of judgment sits in my heart towards people who don't think like me or behave like me? To be honest with you, the only reason I think and behave the way that I do is because Jesus found me. If Jesus didn't find me and give forgiveness to me, I wouldn't be behaving the way that I am. And so the same measure of judgment that I give to others is the measure that's going to be given back to me one day. How much grace do I need? So much grace. So that which I give to others or the way that I treat others is the same way that I'm going to be treated when I stand before the Lord. You need to know nothing goes unnoticed before God. He is intimately acquainted with all of my ways and I will give an account for every idle word that has proceeded from my mouth. One of my great frustrations as a dad is whenever I buy something from one of my kids and then, and then one of their siblings comes along and asks to have a bite and they say, no, this is mine. And as a dad, you know what I want to do? I want to take it off that one and give it to the other one. Because I'm just like, as I've been kind to you, why would you not be kind as I've given to you, why would you not give it on? We've got to be careful that we don't misunderstand the same measure with which you judge other types of sin that are different to your types of sin. Oh, don't pretend like you don't have it. It's just different. And so just because you might not be wrestling with a certain thing doesn't mean that your thing isn't going to be exposed and you're going to be standing vulnerable and naked before the Lord one day. I am so aware of that, and I just want to make sure that when I stand before the Lord, He's given me the same grace that I gave to others. Now, that doesn't mean that we're soft on sin. It doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye or that we're ignorant or we just sweep it all under the rug. I just could not, I don't agree with that at all. But I need so much grace, I had better give it. Here's the third one. We're actually not strong enough to carry it. As much as we don't like to admit it, we're actually not very strong. We're quite weak. I am extremely weak. And holding on to offenses or judgments actually really weakens me. The more I stew on it, the more I get fixated on it, the more I get consumed with it, the more toxic and poisonous I become. 
Somebody once said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping somebody else dies. I hate you. I hope you die. The more I carry that inside of me, the more it weakens me. I know that I have a pretty robust personality type, and I know that I can be quite a challenger. One of the things you have to know about me is I really hate unresolved conflict. Like, really. It keeps me up at night. And some of it I create my own self because I'm just a bull in a china shop sometimes. And, and as I engage conflict or have unresolved, man, it, it really gets me down. I feel sick inside. I'm not strong enough to carry conflict and offenses or even hurts. In 1 Peter 5, 6, Peter teaches us, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time and cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. Another version in the gospel says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. One of the things I've learned that I need to give to Jesus is my burden, my offenses, my heavy laden, so I can receive his rest from the anxiety and the turmoil and the calamity. I'm not strong enough to carry unresolved conflict. It afflicts me the most. Here's number four. Judgment belongs to God alone. If I'm not strong enough to carry it, I'm certainly not strong enough to judge it accurately. In Romans 12, Paul teaches us, Beloved, I do, I, I do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. I really wrestle with that sometimes because I love to get my sense of justice and my sense of judgment. And I love to, to, to call things out because I'm a bit of a challenger. But this word says that, that God is the perfect judge and vengeance and justice belong to him alone. If I'm not even strong enough to carry it within me, I'm certainly not strong enough to judge it appropriately. I'm aware that there would be lots of people in the room from all different types of backgrounds. I want to tell a story, and I really hope this doesn't trigger you, but it hits me hard. Um, I have a family member, and it's been revealed in the last 10 years uh, that that family member has hurt children. And when I first heard about this, oh man. I was hot. I cannot fathom how that can happen. That makes me so mad. I've often said things like, if someone ever did something to one of my kids, I'd flip and kill them. And I, I, I just watched this thing unfold and the devastation in, in, in that whole sphere. 
it is so yuck and so perverted and so painful. And, 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 and I just believe that God is grieved over everything that happened. Well, a couple years ago, I got more to the picture. I had heard from that person's mother the things that had happened to them when they were ch- children by, by external people, adults had hurt him. And I got, unfortunately, I got the graphic version. And as I listened to that story, I think I cried harder over what had happened to my family member than even what he had done perpetrating against others. I'm here to tell you, I'm not strong enough or smart enough to know how to judge all of that. I know that it grieves God, but I'm grieved for my family member. To reconcile all of that is too much for me. I'm not big enough perfect enough to see it from all the dimensions and all the angles to know how to execute perfect judgment. This is why judgment and vengeance belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. A couple years ago, there was a UFC fighter named Cain Velasquez. He was the heavyweight champion a number of years ago and just a, a, a specimen, I'll be honest. He's a beast. <laughs> and I don't know if you're into all that ultimate fighting and whatnot, but he was, for a number of years, he was at the top of the game. Well, in 2022, he found out that his four-year-old son had been hurt by a man. I don't know how you process that as a father. It's It's overwhelming. So he gets in his car and he goes and he finds the man and he runs the man over. He gets out his pistol and he shoots the man. And he didn't actually kill him. He's currently awaiting sentencing for attempted murder and is probably going to jail for 20 years. So not only did his four-year-old son have such a horrible thing happen, but now he's going to have no daddy until he's 24, 25, 26 years old. How vulnerable is that kid going to be with no daddy for the next 20 years? When God says vengeance is his and his alone, he's trying to protect us. He's trying to protect us from from getting ourselves caught up in things that we should never have been caught up in. And I'm telling you, I'm a dad, and I've said things like, if anybody ever touched one of mine, I'm not strong enough to make those judgments. You know, Jesus on the cross is hanging there. And right before he dies, he says, Father, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus is the perfect Son of God. 
dying on the cross, if anyone had a right to judge, if anyone had a right to, to proclaim justice on, on those that put him on the cross, it was him. And in that moment, he's professing forgiveness and grace and mercy. And he's going to the Father in heaven saying, no, 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 no. Please don't be hard on them. They don't even know what they're doing. I just think if that's how Jesus is, we be, better be very, very careful with how we posture ourselves. Here's the fifth one. When we forgive, we actually reflect the nature of God. What is Jesus most known for? Forgiveness, salvation, grace, mercy, kindness. In Romans 2, 4, it says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness towards us. He's kind towards us. He's, he's merciful towards us. He's not judgmental towards us. His judgment was worked out on Jesus so that you and I could enter into grace that we don't deserve, we did not earn. In John 5, 19, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees his Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does in a like manner. Jesus is saying, monkey see, monkey do. As I see my Father doing it, I will do it. Well, when I do it, I emulate the Father. When I do it, I reflect Him. When I extend grace and mercy as He is extended grace and mercy to me, I am, am, am modeling my life after Christ. I am His representative in the earth. Gee, I wish that Christians would understand that. There's a lot of things I hear out of Christians that I just don't think you would hear out of the mouth of Jesus. Here's the last one. I'll invite the worship team to come. Forgiveness actually leads others to repentance. Remember the old joke, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, we don't actually know the answer to that question. Did God create with eggs or did he create with chickens? I tend to think it was chickens, but I love KFC. It's good theology. Write that down. What came first, the forgiveness or the repentance? Which came first? Well, Scripture shows us a clear answer here. Jesus came. He died for us. He forgave us. And he invites us to respond in repentance. I mentioned before in Romans 2, 4, it says it's the kindness of God that actually leads us to repentance. You know that when we're kind and when we give grace that is not deserved and we give mercy 
that is not deserved. And when we extend forgiveness, we actually have an opportunity to lead others to a place of repentance. Mom and dad, I want to tell you that giving grace and mercy to your children in times of moments of weakness and failure is going to reveal Christ to them and lead them to repentance a lot more than judgment. I didn't raise you like this. That's not how we do things around here. That's not how my father talks to me. He doesn't talk to me like that at all. I'm challenged because I'm a dad and I look at my kids and I, I want to emulate my father in heaven. A number of years ago, God was working in me and I knew that I had to forgive my dad for a whole bunch of stuff. And if you don't know my story, I, I grew up in domestic violence and my family was quite tumultuous and I carried stuff in my heart for years and it was really messing me up and one of my Christian mentors said to me James you got to forgive him and I was like I don't even know how to unpack that it's too messy it's too complicated it's too painful he goes mate you got to you got to go through it and forgive him and you got to let him go mate and I said I know he goes hey He'll help you. He'll help you go on that process. And so I did. I just thought, I said, I forgive you. And for every memory that I could think of, the time at the beach, the time after school, I remember I had all these memories. And I just started professing, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Such a powerful time. I just, man, it felt awesome. And then my pastor said to me, he goes, James, you should call him and tell him. It's like, ooh. All right. So I called him. And I said, hey, Dad. He goes, hey, mate. No, he didn't. He said, hey, buddy. He's American. And I said, I just want you to know, Dad, that I forgive you. Man, I've told this story a lot and it still messes me up. I said, he goes, oh, hey, his response was, quote unquote, what the hell for? I knew that this conversation was going to be hard. So I said, I forgive you. And I just started to list every one of them. And I could hear him crying on the other end of the phone. And at the very end of it, he goes, well, I'm not asking. I said, that's okay. I'm giving. I'm forgiving. I am for giving. He goes, okay. Well, we didn't talk for a long time after that. It would have been somewhere around two years later. That he rings me, which I didn't know he knew how to do. Get working out the international codes and all that. And he goes, you messed me up, mate. He goes, you, 
He goes, you called me. I didn't know how to respond to that. And he goes, but God's been working in my heart. And I just want you to know that, that now I'm asking. Well, my relationship with my dad right now is amazing. It's, it's so amazing. I cannot get over the healing and the restoration that has come. I forgave him. And in all of that, it has led him to repentance. And in turn, he has, we've seen God heal and restore and bring new life back into our relationship. Ephesians says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with malice. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another even as Christ has forgiven you. On the first Sunday of every year, of every February, I want to, I, we always talk about forgiveness because I don't want to go into this year with stuff in my heart. I need to make sure that God cleans me out and gets me free so I can run into the year ahead. Last week we talked about there is more stepping into the greater, but I'm here to tell you it's really hard to step in the greater if you are a bit bound up with things in your heart, things that have happened to you. I'd be the first to say that there is no justification for what has happened to you. There is no validation. Forgiving does not validate what has happened. Forgiving really just lets them go and ultimately let you go. And so I, I, just, I just sense it today that, that we need to just take a moment. For some of us, it might be little things. For some of us, you're cringing right now because you know that there is stuff in your heart that, that you have really held on to. Forgiveness is not forgetting or blindly trusting, but it is letting them go. We, we forgive because we have received freely. We forgive because we know that it will be measured back to us. So we better extend grace. We forgive because we know that we're not strong enough to carry the offenses. And we forgive because we know that only God can truly judge perfectly. We forgive because when we do, we reflect His nature and when we do, we could actually lead someone else into a right place and a right relationship with God. Would you stand to your feet? I, I believe that a message like this always should have a moment of response. You know, James... The book of James chapter 4, chapter 5, sorry, says that if we confess our sins or our trespasses one to another, that God heals us. So I've asked my, my, my team to, to, again, be available and ready on standby to pray with people. Because I know how much, man, I've had to do a lot of this. I still do a lot of this. But I just sense that God wants to set some people free today. And 
move in your heart and let you just, come on, it's time to be done. There's somebody here today and the Holy Spirit was telling me that you have been wronged badly in a business deal. When I woke up this morning, this is the first thing I thought of. There's a person who's here today in this 8.30 service and you've been wronged badly in a business deal and it's cost you. And you have been so angry and you have blamed them and you have you have held them responsible for your current state and I'm here to tell you this morning you cannot go further you cannot go into the greater until you let them go I know that there would be people here today and and you're carrying resentment towards your spouse no you're not mad with them right now but deep deep down Beneath the surface, beneath moments of fighting, there is deep resentment. It's almost like you resent who they are. You resent the decisions that they make. You resent the life that you have. That's the kind of stuff that we've got to give to God. Maybe you're here and stuff has happened to you. Maybe you're here and you've been a victim in your life of, of someone else's transgressions. It's not your fault but you were the one that copped it. It's time to let him go. So in just a moment, I want to open the altar and provide people an opportunity to just come and confess things and proclaim forgiveness. And we want to stand in agreement with you and pray with you and celebrate with you because today is a day of freedom. But before you can be free, you got to hand it over. In just a moment, we're going to do that. But before we do, I do wonder if there are people in the room and you would say, you know what, James? I don't actually know what it's like to be forgiven. I don't know what it's like to have God forgive me of my sins. I've always thought that God was the God of don't, the God of anger, the God of wrath. Well, I'm here to tell you, mate, He is not. He is a God who loves you and He's for you. And he doesn't just say it, he proved it. Because Jesus going to the cross is not some fantasy or some fable. It really did happen where Jesus went to the cross and his perfect death provided an opportunity for all of us to receive God's forgiveness. And now when God looks at me, he doesn't see a messed up, broken man. He sees a redeemed man. And you can have that too. And so maybe we could just bow our heads just for a moment. Get honest with yourself. Have you received his forgiveness? Have you received his loving kindness and his mercy? If you haven't, you can this morning. I would like to lead you in a moment of prayer. And I believe that one moment of prayer in God can start to change everything in your life. And just so I know who I'm praying with, if that's you... Would you give me a little wave? I'll see your hand and then you can put it back down. I I don't want to embarrass you this morning, but I want the opportunity to pray with you that you too could receive the forgiving mercy of God this morning. Is there anybody that says, James, I need to pray. I need to receive that forgiving mercy this morning. Don't miss this moment. Come on, I see your hand right here. That's so great. One guy saying, yes, I need to pray. Is there anybody else this morning? Yep, I see your hand back there. That's great, mate. Come on. Two people. Would there be anybody else saying, I need to receive that kind of forgiveness? 
Okay. Come on, church. Let's pray together. Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. You proved it when you went to the cross and died for my sin. Jesus, take away my shame. Take away my pain. And show me how to live the life that you have for me. Amen. Lord, for those two people, I thank you that you, you know them. You know their name. You know their story. You know everything that they've ever done. And right now, they are being washed. They're being washed. Your past is gone. It's gone. It's been forgiven. It's a miracle. It's not magic. It's a miracle. It's what he has done for us. I just speak blessing over you today. I speak healing and restoration over you today. In Jesus' name we pray. You know, we're going to open the altar now. And, and we're not going to do it like last week where everybody has to come out. But can I just say this? I would want to come out. Because if there was something in my life that was keeping me from going forward, I would want that out of my life no matter how hard it is. And so I would just want to encourage you. Would you in this, we're going to worship and, and, and create a moment here and if that's you and you're saying, James, I, I need to respond to the Lord, you know how you need to respond. Okay? I, I just, I want to encourage you, take those steps. Maybe you need to journal it out in your journal or in your phone and say, I, I forgive you in Jesus' name. I'm letting you go. I will not judge. Would you lift your hands one more time? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you see all things and you know all things. None of us can hide. None of us can hide. Search our hearts, O oh Lord. Search moments where we have been wronged and, and we have not let people go for their wronging towards us. I ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, you are the comforter. I ask you to come right now and lead us and comfort us into a place of, of life and healing in Jesus' name. I speak your blessing over everyone here this morning in Jesus name we pray Amen Thanks for joining us we pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus if you're ever in the area we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship 